This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Yeah, I have to ask you to hold on one second. Sure. Uh, whoever's clapping, can you please cease clapping? <laughs> please stop, Campbell. Thank you. I'm recording something, so we got to be a little quieter right now. I'll be done in 20 minutes. Thank you. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. (laughs) Welcome again to Gamble On weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on Gamble On, it's the calm before the storm week. Real live NFL games are almost here, but not quite. So until then, we'll pass the time talking about Big Ten injury reporting, Bet365 continuing its march up the sportsbook ranks, and two words we've been waiting to hear, pickleball betting. Jeff, let the big dill dad jokes and off-color pickle humor commence. I don't know who you think you're talking to. I'm much more mature than that. <laughs> um, she, seriously, we, we need to talk after this. Anyway, uh, we're also going to be welcoming Colin Wilson from our sister site. Well, I guess in this case, our brother's site, Action Network, to talk college football and Oscar betting because it's never too early to talk Oscar betting. But first, Eric, as always, let's get to the news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We'll start the news segment with a warm-up of sorts to our college football conversation with Colin Wilson. Last Friday, the Big Ten announced it would be the first conference to provide, quote, game day player availability reports, basically injury reports, for all conference games at least two hours prior to kickoff. This news follows a few weeks after LSU, which is in the SEC, announced that it would share its own injury reports multiple times a week. So clearly we're seeing movement toward required or routine injury reporting in the NCAA sports. Although plenty of questions remain, including how specific the injury reports will be and whether other conferences will follow the Big Ten's lead. It's also worth wondering how much the Alabama baseball betting scandal, which stemmed from apparent inside information about an injury, is inspiring this movement. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you ever got into college football DFS, but I would think a lack of injury reporting would make DFS nearly impossible to play properly. What are your thoughts on the movement toward more college injury reporting 
and the fact that for all this time it hasn't been required. I mean, Eric, I- I've played League of Legends DFS. I've played Korean baseball DFS, so so yes, I I have dipped my toes, okay. knees, hips, thorax. Do we have a thorax? I'm I'm, I'm unclear. And neck <laughs> into college football DFS. Uh, and the lack of injury reporting has meant a lot of like furious Twitter refreshing. Um, you know, in the minutes leading up to game time, mm-hmm. as you know, you're looking for people, you know, like literally at the game on the field to say like yeah. who's warming up and stuff like that. Um. So it's not ideal, but it is like a little fun. And, it, you know, it's interesting. There's probably a little bit of an edge for people like who are grinding it that much harder. But, uh, but you know, having said that, listen, if we're betting on it, okay, there should be information on it. You know, uh, right. there should, you know, or be, even better way to say that, there shouldn't be information withheld, hmm. you know, that, that is known to the interested parties. You know, and again, I, I, I am probably surprisingly, an adjunct instructor at a local university here in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, they, they entrust me with, you know, the youth of our of, of our of our country. And, uh, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, we're D1 school and, you know, there's like basketball players in my class. And, you know, I can't bet on college sports in New, on col- New Jersey college teams, right, in right. New Jersey. That's the law. But I live, you know five minutes away from Pennsylvania, but like for real, like I I'll have basketball players that I, you know, have a home game tonight and they're limping into my classroom. You know, right. it's clear that I, I have that information. So should you. Yeah. And like, literally, so should I, I live in Pennsylvania. Would you let me know if, uh, some, sure, if one of the yeah, star yeah. players limps in? Yeah, I, I, I will. But like, but, for, you know, for real, though, like, I mean, the, you know, the fact that the, the NCAA has just done everything in their power to avoid, like, acknowledging that gambling exists, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just like, you know, part and parcel of it. And it, I, honestly, I, it's it's, you know, so backwards thinking at this point. Yeah, um, I it. I wonder if LSU specifically is putting itself at any kind of a disadvantage if it voluntarily releases injury reports and perhaps an opponent can say nothing about who's playing and who isn't. Um, It sure seems to me like the NCAA, if indeed it cares about integrity, a big if, uh, they ought to just make it a mandatory uniform thing for each team to issue an injury report like 24 hours before the game, 48 hours, something like that. And again, two hours before the game. Uh, It's kind of surprising that it's gotten this far and gone on this long with, as you said, it coming down to monitoring on Twitter for people who are at the game to possibly mention whether someone is suited up or not. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, and again, it's just I feel like it's I feel like the NCAA, by not forcing their members and teams to do this, because if by if they force them to do it, they would be acknowledging that people are betting on this. Yeah, but meanwhile, it's kind of the 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 toothpaste is out of the tube on that yeah, one. I think. You think? You yeah, know, yeah. I can understand their reluctance five years ago, even four or three years ago. But yeah, it's time it's time to get with it at this point and just acknowledge that this is going on. Um, on, on a related note, Bennett Conlon wrote a piece Monday asking why the PGA Tour doesn't have an official player injury report. And that was spun off Rory McIlroy playing through a back injury that nobody knew about until right before the tournament teed off. Um, But as Bennett notes in the article, it's a little more complicated with a solo sport rather than a team sport because the the players are independent contractors and their medical information is private. Um, 
Also, as Bennett noted, this instance was partially a failure of the golf media, as somehow nobody covering the tournament noticed or reported that Rory wasn't practicing all week. Um, We've seen this to be an issue in other one-on-one sports. There was that major UFC controversy a year or so ago where the fighter allegedly came into the fight with a leg injury and people with inside information may have bet on him to lose in the first round, which he did. Um, and, and of course, you know, the massive Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, biggest pay-per-view in the history of pay-per-view. Afterward, Pacquiao made the excuse that he'd been dealing with a shoulder injury, which created a lot of controversy, not just with betters, but in terms of people who bought the pay-per-view asking for refunds. Um, So, I mean, certainly these individual sports can be a little trickier, but without a doubt, the time has come for the NCAA to have uniform rules and mandate injury reporting, you know, a simple, out, doubtful, questionable, whatever categorization for every player. It's long past time for that. I agree. And honestly, for the, for anyone who uh, is betting in the offshores on uh, journalism, I am always questionable. <laughs> okay. Um, I was moving, born questionable. Born questionable. <laughs> That's a great, uh, great little motto, mantra, whatever. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a new sports book getting licensed in Arizona. And normally that news in and of itself wouldn't be worth drilling down on. Arizona isn't a huge state, and it already has 16 other operators. But we're going to drill down in this case because the newly approved 17th operator is Bet365. And by the way, I have no idea what the proper pronunciation. Do you say Bet365, Bet365? Definitely not Bet365. That's too no, wordy. I'd say Bet365. That's how I say so it. So you go Bet365, not Bet365. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. I'm going to flip flop, I'm sure, for the rest of time on this, but I'll, I'll try to go with Bet365. Uh, so Bet365 has partnered in Arizona with the Akchin Indian community. And Bet365 is interesting because it arrived in New Jersey about a year after PASPA was overturned with a lot of buzz as one of Europe's top sports books. But it didn't really make a dent, and it seemed to be settling in as just another small, struggling mobile book until Ohio launched this year, and Bet365 consistently ranked as the number three book in the state behind only FanDuel and DraftKings. Arizona will be the sixth state for Bet365, along with New Jersey, Ohio, Colorado, Iowa, and Virginia. But Bet365 is the only mobile book I know of that started slowly and later gained traction. Uh, Jeff, not sure if you have a Bet365 account in New Jersey and can opine on what they do well or badly, but... Any insights on their delayed success or the impact of their Arizona licensing? Yeah, I have a Bet365 account, Eric. I've been limited to pennies on it, despite being down a few thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, why? I'm guessing because they caught me arbing. How? Because uh, I'm convinced, legitimately, that they put out shitty lines to entice arbors, and that's how they catch us. Like, not even joking. I'm. You, you can't dissuade me of this opinion. Uh, if you look at, you know, if you, if you use any odds... Um, you know, comparison tools. Right. Bet365, every day, they're always going to come in with some really offlines that, you know, are very arbable. Arbable? Arbable. Sure. Arbable, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I, I really believe that they put them out there to to see who's taking them. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Um, but whatever. That's just me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm down big at Bet365, and I can't bet there anymore. But, I, I mean, other than that, yeah, I know it's a fine enough book. Um, you know, <laughs> other but, than that. Other than well, that, yeah. Mrs. Lincoln. No, I liked it. I did like them while I was using them. I mean, right. you know, clean interface, um, you know, plenty of markets. They offer Oscar odds. 
which is something that not all books do here in New Jersey. Only a few do, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as far as like their long-term forecast goes, the people I've talked to in the industry, they tell me that this company, they uh, they have you know un- unlimited amounts of money. They're huge. Right. Um, right. And if they think that America is worth it for them, they can come here and spend, you know, hundreds of millions on marketing to compete. Uh, it looks like they're starting to do that. Like right. Ohio has clearly been a smashing success for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they're going to continue. I'm not sure how they're going to do it in states, you know, that are like up and running. You know, I mean, honestly, like if I'm guessing again, this is just pure conjecture that Bet365, like, you know, Honchos are looking at Florida, California, Texas, right? right? I, I I would not be surprised that if they come in hot and heavy when those states go legal. Yeah. Eventually. Right. Um, so I do not have a Bet365 account as they are not live in Pennsylvania. Um, but I, I do remember the 2019 New Jersey launch well. I, I wrote about it for our former New Jersey specific website. There was a lot of hype in the moment because Bet365 was the number one sports book globally at the time in handle and revenue and had actually been ranked number one for nine years in a row. Um, Alan Bowden told me at the time, uh, quote, they are the one firm everyone fears. Uh, he noted that they were known for more customer-friendly pricing, um, not not with regard to limiting, it sounds, but at least uh, customer-friendly pricing and actually lower holds than most books, which is very much not the American way, uh, but is a potential way to win in the long run. Um, and I actually spoke to one of our bosses, Mark Peterson, for the article, and he said, quote, it will take time, but that eventually he thought Bet365 would challenge FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, Another quote from Bowden for that article, first mover advantage tends to be overrated in gambling, especially online where product and marketing quality tends to win out in the end. I need more than one hand to count the number of unstoppable dominant leaders I've seen come and go in the European market. Now, until Bet365's emergence in Ohio this year, you might have said that that quote looks foolish, but maybe it's proving true. Maybe Bet365 has been playing a longer game and is the only company so far in the U.S. to actually play that longer game with any uh, quality effect. I have no real predictions about where this goes, but I I think it's a fascinating topic just to keep tracking them, see if Bet365 can actually charge up the national leaderboard, certainly launching in Arizona is a nice little step in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I think bet three, I, I think we, we are entering phase two here, you know, right. and I think we're going to be looking back at this was the start of it and that we are, you know, draft looking, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, clearly mm-hmm. DraftKings and FanDuel were the best position because of, they had this huge DFS, you know, uh, you know, mailing list, whatever you yeah. want to call it. User right? base. Right. User base. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, clearly they, you know, looking back, they clearly had the advantage and they're winning big time. But now we are entering, I think we could safely say we're entering phase two, right? Because we have Fanatics and ESPN, like the arguably the two biggest names in, you know, well, in, you know, in apparel and media when it comes to, you know, American sports now entering the fray. Yeah, Bet365, like clearly like, you know, looking, well, not clearly, but apparently getting ready to like make a move. And you have the three biggest states in the nation still without sports betting. You know, I, I, I'd be surprised if we wake up five years from today and Florida and California aren't online. Right. 
we I, I think you're right to sort of note that this is this year 2023 we'll sort of look back at as the the end of phase one and the beginning of phase two uh and yeah probably you know five years or so from now not that anything will have changed at the very top favorite you know the likelihood is FanDuel and DraftKings are still one and two I, I would think but certainly that below that the field will have settled in much differently five years or so from now than what it looks like currently. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I, I, yes, I, I, I find it hard to believe that FanDuel and DraftKings won't remain one, two in five years, but you know, nobody was going to say that they were going to be one, two, five years ago. Right. Right. So, yeah. That was, that was sort of interesting when, uh, when Smiley did his oral history of the PASPA over being overturned, I had, really forgotten how everyone was convinced in 2018 that the leaders would be some of the European companies and some of the big casino sure. brands and, and that uh, nobody really saw FanDuel and DraftKings as the favorites at the time. It's sort of easy now to say, well, yeah, clearly they were going to dominate for because of all these reasons and first mover advantage ended up uh, being a big deal. But um yeah, it what it, it was not widely predicted in 2018. It just seems obvious no. now. So, yep. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to Shopify.com/system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, Jeff, enough wasting time. It's time for the main event of the news segment. FanDuel is now taking bets on professional pickleball in 10 states plus Ontario. Although curiously, neither my home state nor your home state is among those 10, probably because FanDuel knows how sharp you and I are. Um, this topic doesn't really require much more setup. Uh, it's an increasingly popular niche sport has been added to the betting menu, and it's an excuse for us to talk about pickleball and or whatever other weird sports or leagues we've proven willing to bet money on. So, uh, Jeff, have you played pickleball? Would you like to bet pickleball? Do you have a side you back in the pickleball is far too loud to play in residential neighborhoods debate? The world demands to know your take on pickleball. All right, so here's the deal, man. I, I've never played pickleball, which at this point I think I'm kind of have to no choice but to wear as a badge of honor. Uh, much <laughs> okay. in the same way, you know, much in the same way that I've never seen the movie Titanic. Ah, yeah, okay. I've never, I, I have never seen Titanic. Mostly, well, only because I didn't have a girlfriend when it came out, or when it stayed in theaters <laughs> like for eight months or whatever right. it was. And so there was zero chance I was going to see Titanic by myself or with another dude. So I've never seen it. I've just never seen Titanic. And, and now I refuse to watch it because I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Um, <laughs> right. I hold grudges. I'm holding a grudge against myself at this point. Okay. Um, and pickleball, for me, honestly, it's trending in that direction. I've never been invited to, to a pickle. I don't even know if that's what you call it. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not, but okay. Okay. I know uh, I'm not sure I want to be invited at this point, um, uh -huh. despite the fact that based on what I've read and what I've seen about the sport, it lands squarely in my current athletic wheelhouse, yes. namely not a lot of movement, right. not a lot of backhands. So, you know, okay. I don't know. I think I'd be pretty good at it is what I'm saying. Right. What about you? You ever played it? I have. I I've played twice. Um, now, uh, 
I'm coming from the position of a former serious tennis player who, uh, due to a diagnosis in 2018 of mild scoliosis, can no longer make any of the sudden movements required to play tennis, uh, you know, other than I can like take part in a leisurely rally, but I can't like really play anymore. So pickleball's kind of a nice alternative that requires very little running, less in the way of forceful sudden movements. It's a game I could actually play somewhat competitively if I chose to, though so far I've only tried it casually a couple of times and haven't felt compelled to give it a real try. But I I totally get the craze. It is truly at the midpoint between ping pong and tennis. It's more of a workout than ping pong, less of a workout than tennis. It's fun. It's social. It's for all ages. I don't think it's just a passing fad. I I think it's going to keep growing and, uh, you know, betting will certainly help that of yeah. course it's like it does for every sport um i do side with the people who live right near tennis courts that have recently turned into pickleball courts and and are complaining about it because it is a much louder more annoying sound than a tennis <laughs> ball hitting a tennis racket um did, did you see the quote that mike seeley included in his article on pickleball betting uh from from an article in the new york times no refresh me so here's what it was uh uh, this is a, an Oregon resident testifying at a local government meeting said one of our neighbors who lived directly across from the courts and was dying from cancer noted the pickleball noise was worse than his cancer. Sadly, he recently <laughs> passed. Um, I'm going to call bullshit on that one. I'm calling fake yeah. news. I think the resident testifying is exaggerating and, um, you know, I don't know, kind of convenient that the cancer patient died and isn't around to confirm the quote. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I, 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 as someone who's not had cancer nor played pickleball, I will choose pickleball all day, every day. <laughs> all right, but which is going to happen first? Are you going to play pickleball or are you going to see Titanic? It sounds like pickleball is a big favorite. I would say play, yeah, pickleball is definitely a favorite. Because at this point, if someone asked me, I'd sheepishly accept. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's, you know I ha- to get on the Titanic topic uh, for a second here, <laughs> I... I never really thought of it as a movie that one should be reluctant to see on one's own or with a with a guy friend or, or whatever. It's yeah, there's the romance angle to it, but that's not the whole movie. Uh, and uh, but at I, the time, I was like 25 years old or whatever. There's right. no fucking way I'm going to Titanic mm. with another dude. No well, fucking. I guess I was I guess I was like 22 years old or something like that, and uh, pretty sure I saw saw it by myself in the theater. Um, uh, you, you, you had a stronger sense of self than me at that, at that age. <laughs> I guess. But uh, it's honestly, it really is a great movie. You should, you should, it's, it's basically two movies in one. It's like the first half of the movie is fine. It, it is what it is. There is a, a Kate Winslet nude scene. So I'll just put that out there. Uh, sure, sure. But then the second half of the movie, once, uh, spoiler, once uh, the ship starts to sink, uh, it's it's thrilling. It's It's really well done. So... Uh, you know, not expecting you, you to see it by next episode, but just keep, keep an open mind, Jeff. It starts to sink. You say a happy ending. I'm sure, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I really don't want to spoil the movie for you because you may right. see it someday. Right. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
Week zero is behind us and week one is about to kick off. So it is time for some college football talk on Gamble On. To that end, we now welcome a senior writer for the Action Network who runs the site's college football vertical. He co-hosts the BBOC or Big Bets on Campus podcast with Stucky and Brett McMurphy. He also covers MLB, NFL, WWE and Academy Awards betting, the latter of which I know excites my podcast partner, Jeff. He is Colin Wilson. Colin, welcome to Gamble On. Thank you for having me on. When you mentioned that we were going to do Academy Awards, I thought this is perfect because usually uh, Raybon and I have been doing the uh, podcast for years, but we have to wait until like February to talk about it. So I am more than happy to talk movies <laughs> this part of the season. We've been talking about it, I think, since the week after the Academy Awards. Yeah, pretty much. So- <laughs> well, we'll save that for the end. It gives us All something right. to build to. Uh, we'll, we'll start before we get into any of that fun stuff uh, about Academy Awards or college football betting. Let's start with the least fun topic, a little industry talk, all these suspensions handed out to college football players for breaking the NCAA's gambling rules. What I'm curious about is how big a story has this been in the college football community? You know, there's a lot going on this offseason from Harbaugh to various conferences falling apart. So have the betting scandals, and I put that in quotes, been a major story in the college football world at large, or, or is it only major to folks like us in the sports gambling media? It depends on who it is, because when Urban Meyer got suspended for three games back in, I think, 2018, it did take it did make a hit on the power rating for Ohio State. It took two points off. I did the same thing for Michigan where they announced that he was going to be out for four games. Now he's going to sit out three games. And I think really it's player dependent, coach dependent. How much does the player account for their offense and defense? But from a coaching perspective, like with Harbaugh. He's not calling plays. So, you know, he makes decisions on fourth downs, but I think it just matters how important that person is to whatever they do. So it's something to monitor from a gambling perspective. It certainly has an effect. Uh, But at the same time, the NCAA is losing control with NIL. Uh, It just seems like college football is breaking away from the NCAA as much as it can, making its own rules, and the NCAA can't enforce any of this. Eventually, I think what you're going to see is the other sports like, basketball, volleyball, softball, baseball, they can't have these 20-team conferences where they're traveling Hawaii to the East Coast. Eventually, I think all those other sports will break away and go in their old footprints, and college football may be a professional sport of some sort, but (laughs) NCAA just seems desperate these days with some of these rules. And and so as far as the specifically, it's like been Iowa and Iowa State that have been really getting a lot of the the player suspensions for for the betting stuff. so is that kind of only a story to the college football community at large insofar as it impacts like when Iowa State's quarterback is going to miss the season, that's a story because it impacts how good the team will actually be? Yeah, that I mean, that is a difference, right? I was thinking more along the lines of a player signing an autograph down at LSU and having to skip a game. But the whole Iowa State debacle is, I mean, Hunter Decker's coming out and saying, you know, I'm completely innocent in this and no one can prove it. But then there's a video of him on a casino floor saying, I'll bet you $500. That's a big difference. And I think the bad thing was, is that I was betting Iowa State over three and a half conference wins around Big 12 Media Day. That news broke about two weeks later. And, you know, Matt Campbell is very honest. He said at Media Day that I can't really discuss what's going on with the probe and and who the players are that are involved. And, you know, I can't have any comment on it. Then it comes out, it's Hunter Decker's and some other key players, and they're done. I mean, that is a huge market shift in Iowa State. So, um, you know, I don't think it's done. I Gambling was going on when I was in college, you know, back over 20 years ago. So, you know, this kind of thing is going to continue to dust up. Uh, it's not just an Iowa thing. It's an everywhere thing. 
Yeah. All right. I don't like that he's bragging. It's only been 20 years since he's been in college. Might <laughs> have been longer. I'll have to. Wait. <laughs> so, all right. I want to talk fun stuff for a second here. I I follow college football on Saturday mornings when I'm building my DFS lineup. So I'm, I'm I will admit I'm not I'm not like hardcore, but it does seem that like just the buzz around the season this year that there's a case to be made for like five, six, maybe even more teams to win the national championship. I guess Georgia's a favorite, Alabama's coming in second, but it seems like it's kind of wide open. Is there uh, any fun long shots that you like this year? And you get that feeling because some of the Blue Bloods are having quarterback battles, right? Alabama's got a three-way quarterback battle. Georgia has Carson Beck, but we still haven't really seen enough out of him to determine whether you know they're going to suffer from a national championship level. Um, same thing with Ohio State, right? I mean, a, a quarterback battle went down to the very end. So that gives you kind of the feeling that somebody else can step up. And that's probably true. I mean, the four teams that I like to make the college football playoff are none of those that we just discussed. I've got Penn State, Texas, LSU, and Clemson. So, uh, you know, those are all ranging from 11 to 1 to 22 to 1. So I absolutely think, you know, two of those teams have never made the college football playoff. So I absolutely think that this could be a year where we see a couple of teams sneak on in. That's what I like. I, I didn't have a pen handy to write down those four, but I will. Re- I will listen to <laughs> it's the podcast. recorded, Jeff. Yeah, yeah no, I, I understand how that works. So yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely want to get some money down there. Um, yeah, I just is is it it again? Correct me that I'm wrong, but it seems like this is the first time in a long time that like it is as wide open as it feels. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing you have to do too is I start looking at schedules. I'll sit at the national championship game and I'm immediately going through schedules from the next season because what you have to do is like when I was a kid, should I go 20 years, 30 years, 35 years in the past when I was a kid? They had a book called Choose Your Own Adventure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to choose what path you were going to take. And so you look at schedules nine months in advance, what is the path of least resistance? When you look at Clemson, I got Notre Dame, I've got Florida State on the schedule. That's about it. And so, you know, when you look at Penn State, they've got two big games, Ohio State and Michigan. So you're really looking for the path of least resistance to choose your own adventure about who can be there standing at the end. And and that's really how I came with these. Texas is the one that really fits the choose your own adventure. They can lose to Alabama, still make the playoff. They are way more talented head to toe above everybody else in the Big 12. So, you know, Texas is the one that popped out immediately with their schedule. I'll tell you the, the 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 stress of choose your own adventure, man. I I, I long for it. <laughs> this is how you know, though, that we are indeed all three of us in the same general age range. Is that we all had a nostalgic uh, feeling the moment he said the words cho- "choose your own adventure." We're all in that rough age range. I got a couple word "pang" went across my chest. I think <laughs> nostalgic <laughs> pang. <Yes. laughs> my personal favorite was always "Who Killed Harlow Thrombey." So no, there you no, go. Just good a, one. That's the only title I remember. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm a big fan, Colin, of betting awards markets, individual player awards markets. So for college football, obviously, we, we're talking about the Heisman. Is there anyone whose odds you really like this year? Like, obviously, the first person you think of and look at is Caleb Williams. Is right. plus 500 too short a price on him to repeat? And And if so, do you have a, a wild long shot that I, I could at least get a good sweat betting a couple of bucks on? Well, the more I'm in the business and I've been a Heisman voter, I think this is my third year to be a Heisman voter. All I've ever heard is there will never be another repeat champion ever again. Mm. Since Archie Griffin did it 50, almost 50 years ago, 1975, I think there's just this stigma that once you have it, we're not going to give it to you again. And, you know, even with and I think what that comes from is last year, Bryce Young was odds on leader coming in. And I still heard the same thing. There's nothing that Alabama can do. They can 
go undefeated on the schedule and Bryce Young can put up some good numbers. But if CJ Stroud's got the same numbers, we're going to give it to CJ Stroud. And it's just one of those things where you don't want to give it to him twice because of the historical aspect of it. Now that I've, I mean, Caleb's going to post up all the numbers, but this is the same thing that I said last year. They had to not have the defense to make the college football playoff. I mean, San Jose State is just <laughs> they had more explosive drives than USC, which just blows my mind. And so I don't think the U I don't think USC is going to survive the gambit of Pac-12 quarterbacks that are on that schedule from a defensive perspective. So while from a talent wise, you should take Caleb Williams, he's not going to win because of the historical factor of winning twice, and because I don't think his team's going to make the college football playoff. The two te- the two players that I have Heisman tickets on are Drew Aller of Penn State and Cade Klubnick of Clemson. I think it ties back to our college football playoff talk. You know, that the Heisman ceremony, most of the voters, I'd say 75% of the voters, put that vote in right after the conference championship games, and you need to be playing in your conference championship. You need to make the college football playoff because the Heisman vote is due the Monday after the college football playoff is announced. So it has a, a it plays a really big factor that it's become a team award, not just a player award. Hmm. So... Uh, I'm I'm only looking at one sports book here, not properly price shopping, but I'm seeing Aller at uh, 25 to one and Club Nick at 14 to one. You think those are both currently prices worth considering? That's the boundary. I mean, there's Club Nick 10 to ones out there. I wouldn't touch it there. I would touch Clemson national title odds before I would touch that. And then with Aller, 25 is the boundary. There was there is a shop in Pennsylvania holding 40 to one. For those of you listening to this and want to go out and get somebody to run in Pennsylvania, there's one up there. But uh <laughs> And, and I'm not going to mention the book name unless they shoot some dough over, but there's a 40 to one out there on Drew Aller, but 25 to one is the boundary on him. And really it goes back to the fact that Penn state has the best defense in the nation. I'm not sure it's even close. I mean, I say that boldly because they have the two best corners and what that's going to do is create more opportunities for the offense, which has maybe the best running back tandem in the nation. Uh, there are some wide receivers there, but Drew Aller, if he gets to 11 and one, if he beats Ohio state or beats Michigan, it doesn't even matter if he wins a big 10, if he makes the playoff and of 11 and one team in Penn state, he's sitting in a chair in New York city. What about Marvin Harrison jr.? Can a wide receiver win this award? Uh, I, I think that's the big question. We had that with right. Jackson Smith and last year. And, you know, the question is, is will we ever see anybody besides a quarterback win this thing? And obviously they can, but you're so heavily dependent on who your quarterback is that does your quarterback steal some of your votes. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Marvin Harrison is going to be an all pro in the NFL, I think, before he ever takes a snap. So, uh, you know, I mean, junior and his, right. and his dad senior. But, right. you know, I, I think it's extremely hard these days for a wide receiver to ever win again. You're going to have to do something amazing on special teams. You're going to have to have some special teams highlights to, to actually break that mold of your quarterback feeding you the ball. All right. All right, let's let's get to what I, the only reason I'm here today. I want to talk Oscar betting. Uh, <laughs> listen, I I I am three for three now in Oscar betting seasons. I I have bet it's been legal here. I've been doing it three years in a row. I've won big three years in a row, and my my process is pretty simple. Movies that start catch, I pay attention, and you know, I basically the books are not keeping up with the buzz, right? Nope. And every, every time I see a little bit of buzz on something, I bet it, right? And yep. And I watched, and, and and then I betted another buzzy thing, and I'm getting all the buzzy ones at like two thousand twenty five hundred, and you know one of like last year I had a you know what's it called the winner I had Everything it like twenty two that's yeah. the yep. one I had I had it everywhere you know at like twenty two hundred <laughs> the year before the uh the you know the other one I can't re- I can never remember the well, name. well you know. I had a sixty to one on Nomadland when it came out of the Ooh. festival and everyone's like there oh Nomadland go. and I was like I don't know how I connect with this movie but here's a hundred dollars on sixty to one and look what it did right exactly so- all right so you, so we're in the same boat so right now Oppenheimer is plus one twenty five 
yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon 250, and then nobody knows anything. I just based on prior history, I don't see either of these winning just because they're the early favorite. Yeah, you would think that, but the problem is, is that Oppenheimer checks is checks so many boxes. And here's the thing: it doesn't piss anybody off. And less than 9,000 voters for the Academy Awards are Soviet communists. That's the whole thing is there have been movies that have been up for awards over recent years, Oscar favorites. And for some reason, it just pissed people off and they weren't going to win for whatever reason. Right. Uh, 1917 doesn't win because there's no dialogue or there's politics that play a role in other movies. But Oppenheimer checks all the boxes from an acting perspective. It will get there from an editing perspective. And those are the things that you have to have from screenplay editing, directing, uh, they're going to just pull nominations in all of those categories. And if you ever read like Oscar metrics or anything, it's like the more nominations you have in the subcategories, the better chance you have for best picture. But then, you know, there's that hot dribble in like Coda, right? I mean, that kind of captures everybody. And I think the thing about Coda is, is that took everybody by storm. And none of us is from a betting perspective, took it seriously because we never believed that Netflix or Apple or anybody that streams could produce an Oscar winning movie. We thought that you had to go into the box office and watch it. And that's all completely changed now. So you can, you do have to watch some of these streaming services, putting out their own movie. You know, when I saw Adam driver in, in a, what is it? A marriage story. I, I thought, you know, this isn't going to win an Academy award, but Adam driver, like he's in Ferrari coming out soon. He's going to win a best, you know, best actor someday. I don't know what for what role. I don't know what movie, but you have to pay attention to those. So Oppie's going to fill the hole, you know, as far as number of nominations. We know that. So what do you do? Do you take the plus 125 that's out there now, kind of lay it as like a money line and say, well, this is my foundation. I'll put a bigger bet on this and I'll take some long shots, some long shots that I looked at, uh, the killer. I mean, I, I love David Fincher movies from Benjamin Button to seven, and that's going to have Tilda Swinton and Michael Fassbender in it. So the kid, you know, killers out there. Air is thirty-five to one. It's a feel-good story. Maybe not as good feel-good as Coda, but at the same time, nobody has a complaint about it, right? Unless you're Converse or Adidas, like who's out there bitching about Air? So that you know, that's one that's a long shot. But Killers of the Flower Moon. I think what's interesting about Oppie is I, I wouldn't buy that now because when Killers of the Flower Moon come out and it's Leo and it's you know everything that you need for an Oscar winning, that's going to take the steam. And this goes back to last year with everything, everywhere. All at once. When I saw that movie, the first hour of it, I was like, I just couldn't wrap my brain around what was going on. And then the remainder of the movie, I thought this is one of the best movies I've seen in a really long time. I mean, to to get uh, Jobu Tabaki talking about a bagel uh, and you're winning an Academy Award. I mean, it was just such a powerful movie that it it went up to four to one at some point because some of the other contenders came in. But just look at how many times it's going to get nominated. See if you have actor, actress supporting. And if you're going to get double-digit nominations at the Academy Awards, you've got a real good shot of winning. The one thing that I, I, I have a working theory right now, the last two years, I'm going to say that Coda and Everything Everywhere both feel good movies, right? I think they got a COVID bounce. I think people, yes. voters wanted something that isn't dark and depressing, right? Now, does that last one more year? Because Oppenheimer, for all its you know glory, is not exactly a feel-good <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. no uh it's not uh do we yeah do we go heel uh, as far from a right. perspective do we go heel <laughs> and take maybe the killer uh do we take something dark i mean oppenheimer is there's nothing there's nothing joyous about it right and i think right, the right. one thing that i know i'm going to slam which i i think there's odds out there but robert downey jr winning best supporting actor may be the best supporting actor role that i'll see all year his 
role as Louis Strauss was one of the most impressive things. I mean, you did not expect Iron Man to come in here looking as old and feeble and vengeful. And I've been, nobody likes me and the the physicists are assholes. Like, I mean, it, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen. I still can't believe it was Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. That's going to me. I don't know if it's going to be lined like minus 500 where it's going to come in, but it was fantastic. If there's a movie I'm not betting, it's going to be the color purple. I, I I know that that's going to take steam, but these musicals like La La Land, West Side Story, they didn't win anything, uh, you know. And then when you look at uh, you know Hamilton, right? Hamilton when that came out, oh my God, Hamilton's the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I couldn't get my daughter to quit going around the house singing it everywhere. <laughs> didn't even sniff the Academy Awards, right? I had some little Golden Globe love, but that doesn't even matter. It's more about the BAFTAs. So, you know, I, I will not touch Color Purple at all. I hope it gets a lot of steam, but there's no way it wins. If color purple couldn't, if color purple couldn't beat uh, out of Africa in '85, what's it going to do in 20? <laughs> what is this story about? Not to have some hate on it, but what is this story? Now we're going to look at the sister's perspective about how she had this successful life when she left. Like the movie's about Celie, the story's about Celie. It's about this the tr- the troubles that she went through when she was left behind. I don't want to hear the feel good story of the other side. I want that 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 heel. I want I want that what was going on left at the at the ranch at the house, you know, back with the with Celie and the story. So I, it'll be interesting. I, I hope it takes steam. I hope it's a feel good, but it is not winning. Nobody saw this discussion coming on Gamble on this week. <laughs> <laughs> a little curveball. We like we like to do that from time to time. That was fun. All right, um, I got one for you. I got I, I then we'll let you go. This is I'm not this is I, I can't claim credit for this one. This is Chris Rosen from Gold Derby, who we had on a while ago. I'm watching this one's getting a little bit of buzz. Very not a feel good movie. Zone of interest about the commandant at uh, Auschwitz. And about how he tries to create a nice little life for himself and his wife while they're busy killing, you know, all the Jews. Not a feel good. No, not a feel good. Neither Schindler's you know, list, you know? Neither but, is Schindler's it, list. But, but it's 40 to one. So it is 40 to one. And you got to remember that Inglorious Bastards took some steam in the market and had some consideration for being nominated for the Academy Award. These World War II movies, of course, Oppie is too, but these right. World War II movies that deal directly with Auschwitz or with Nazis, they immediately get pushed to the forefront of our brains because it is the biggest. As uh, as what what did Matt Damon say in Oppenheimer? This is the biggest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. I mean, it's like if you build a story about World War II, you should immediately put some money on it. So uh, we'll see. I would love to see the movie, but you're in direct competition with another World War II movie. But it's on the other side of the globe, so maybe we'll see. Very interesting stuff. What was the what was the remake you were buying last year, uh, Jeff? The it was like a German version of it got nominated. You, uh, oh yeah, uh, all uh, all quiet quiet on the Western Western Front. Front. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. you you you, that was one of your you got it when it was at a long price and hoped. Yeah. And it ended up, yeah, got quite a lot of steam. There was some gold derby. There was some gold derby experts that really came in hot on that movie yep. at the very end. And and I, I was just so torn because I had so much money down in 1917, which ultimately did not win. Uh, I was the, the war torn, the war movies based out of the out of the British and all that, that I was so hurt that I didn't win from 1917. <laughs> I had to lay off last year. <laughs> Well, at this point, I've forgotten everything you told us about college football. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, no, I, I'm in Pennsylvania, so I'm going to look up uh, the book that I can get the 40 to one at. Uh, so so that'll be my uh, actionable uh, advice here. Colin, it's, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I'll let everyone know uh, you can find Colin on Twitter at underscore Colin one. And that's Colin with two L's. Great talking to you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on Gamble On. Thanks for having me, guys. Two men. Two men. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. 
Let's update our betting bankroll, where mostly we had a bad week, and I can't blame you for any of it, Jeff. Uh, but I can blame Bennett a little bit, his $50 bet on the apparently injured Rory McIlroy to win the PGA Tour Championship. Did not pan out. Um, my bet on the Diamondbacks to win the first five innings last Thursday was a little bit of an unlucky loss. Through five innings, they had five hits to just one hit for the Reds, but the score was 0-0. We lost $120 there. Uh, my boxing bets were just plain bad. Uh, minus 138 favorite Kosobutsky got totally outboxed and outclassed and basically intentionally fouled out in the fourth round. We lost $138 on that one. And Big Baby by decision at plus 450 didn't come all that close. He won by KO in round five. We lost $60 there. Thankfully, a bit of redemption in the FIBA World Cup basketball tournament, the strategy of Jews betting on Germany pays off. They upset Australia and won their group, so we profited $175 on that. That means, for the week, we lost $193. We're now down by 2,333. We also have 2,861 on hold in futures bets. And that leaves us with $4,806 available to bet with this week. Possibly the first time we've ever had less than half our starting bankroll available, but still. What, hap- what happens if we get to zero? Uh, the, po- the, po- the podcast ends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, if if it dwindles anywhere close to that, we should probably be responsibly reducing our uh, standard mm-hmm. betting unit size. Uh, but for now, we we still have plenty to work with. Uh, so, have you looked at have you looked at some of, are some of those futures like any good? Some well, so a, a lot of them are NFL futures that uh, right. that it's way too soon to say. Sure. Baseball, we are mostly in bad shape, but if Spencer Strider wins Cy Young, we come out oh, ahead. Bad. We come oh, right. That bad. was yours, ten to one right. at a hunt for a hundred bucks. So that's a big right. eleven hundred dollars swing there. He, yeah. I think he was like plus two fifty last I checked. He's like the right. second favorite. So if that one hits, we're we come out ahead overall on baseball bets. And the other interesting one. I hesitate to say anything because I, I don't want to jinx it at all, but let's just say our Marlins underbet, which seemed beyond dead for like two months ago, it seemed like we were already completely screwed. It's not dead. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of alive with like 29 games to go or whatever. All so. right, good, good. All right, let's get to this week's bets. Uh, I'm up first, and I'm going to take our new bestie Colin Wilson's advice uh, in combination with some personal rooting interests. You know, I've never really had a college football team that I cared about much, but the closest thing there is to a contending team I root for is Penn State, which happens to be my wife's alma mater. So if Colin is saying Drew Aller is a decent Heisman long shot, then sign me up for that fun sweat. Unfortunately, I scoured all the books and I could not find that plus 4,000 he was talking about. Maybe I did a bad job scouring or maybe that price is simply gone, but the best I could find was plus 2,500. Colin said that's right at the limit of where he would consider it a decent bet. So here we go. In addition to Bennett's Texas national title bet at plus 2,500, we now have a Heisman long shot to sweat this season at plus 2,500. Drew Aller, 30 bucks to win $750. All right. I like it. Man, I want to put one down now. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's just go with uh, what I was going to go with. Uh, I'm, I'm going with zone of interest. Best picture. Okay. Uh, plus, plus, this is a Christopher Rosen special. He mentioned it when we first, when we talked to him, pre-Oscars, post-Oscars. I don't remember when we talked to him. Right. But uh, plus four thousand at Bet three sixty five, ten bucks. They won't even let me get that down. But yeah, we'll go. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Right. Uh, I believe you. 
But yeah, let's just go ten dollars. It, it's 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 the I know nothing about this movie outside that it's like about uh, the commandant at Auschwitz, uh, mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me right now, and his wife who are trying to build like a, just you know an everyday happy little life for themselves while murdering you know Jews left and right, right literally right next door to their house. Uh, dark shit. Uh, this movie, this would definitely prove that the COVID bump for happy movies is over. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to win, quite frankly. But I do think, based on the buzz that I'm hearing, that it'll be, you know, plus 600, 700 at some point. So this is, this is, my, this is my MO. I'm going to bet these. I'm going to bet the buzz and, you know, get in early. So let's lose $10 on this. <laughs> bet the buzz is another good uh, mo- motto yeah. mantra for you. So I, I look it up, looked it up on IMDb while you were talking. The commandant of Auschwitz is uh, Rudolf Hals. And his yep, wife, yep. Hedwig, uh, they strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. And uh, so I guess this is like actually German made with all German actors. I don't recognize any of these names. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this, this is the kind of movie that like is five years ago, I think would have had a pretty good shot. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really curious if this COVID bump is going to continue. And if, if so, I have to find like that happy movie that, that no one's talking about yet. Because right. it ain't it ain't Oppenheimer. It ain't going to be the Scorsese movie, right? So I mean, I think well, there's Colin mentioned Air, which which is yeah. is that? But and I've seen it. It was good. good I can't great. imagine a world where it actually yeah. wins Best Picture. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, um, we haven't done an NFL win total bet yet. Uh, so uh, season's getting close. Uh, here goes with one that just feels way, way, way too easy to me. Uh, I was checking all the win totals, and there were a few numbers that caught my eye, but far and away the most stunning number to me was six and a half wins for the Colts. How in the hell is this team possibly getting to seven wins? I know that they play in the weak AFC South, but the AFC South is mostly weak because of them. Uh, the, (laughs) the, The Jags are solid. The Titans are always respectable, and I think will be again this year. And the Texans should be improved over last year, at least. The Colts won four games last year, and I don't see what makes them better this year with Jonathan Taylor on the PUP list for the first four games, with Anthony Richardson needing to defy every historical trend about rookie quarterbacks who aren't great at throwing the ball. Um, Like, he may be a decent fantasy quarterback right out of the gate, but it would be shocking if he helps them actually win games. I mean, Josh Allen was terrible as a rookie. Justin Fields stunk as a rookie. Richardson is a total project who they hope will start to get good in year two, maybe. Um, Indy has a decent offensive line, but they have a bottom 10, maybe even bottom five defense. They have no particularly good pass catchers. On the look-ahead lines, they're favored in two games this season, and they're pick in two other games. And somehow the win total is six and a half, not four and a half, where I think it should be. And the under is even money, plus 100 at DraftKings. So absolutely sign me up. $200 to win $200. Jeff, is, is there something that I'm not seeing here? I mean, you're, you're not going to talk me out of the bet, but is is there something I'm missing that could possibly lead this to be a seven-win team? I I don't see it. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I the only thing would be potentially if Richardson 
if they're really just playing like, hey, I'm on fire football, and right. Richardson is, you know, and you know, on pace to run for you know 1,500 yards or something like that, that you know, because it just doesn't happen. It could, I guess, it could upset the Apple Car, but I, I mean, no, I, it's a great bet. Okay, it's a great bet. All right, I'm glad. I'm glad you've confirmed it. Yeah. Speaking of great bets, I'm just I, I can I I'm I'm just I'm going basic for the next two picks here. I, I they're just NFL Week One spreads. Okay. All right, great. That's it. Picking okay. favorites even. Okay. Vikings at home giving six to the Bucks, hundred and ten to win a hundred. I feel like the Vikings aren't getting the respect that I think they deserve, and I think it's because of last year. You know, they 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 weren't as good as their, weren't as good as their record showed. My dogs agree. <laughs> no, they agree. Okay, good. Uh, and and the males here, in, in addition. Oh, okay. Um, so do you, no, do you, I, do, you I, want, do you want to shout out your your dogs' names uh, that they see if one of them can be the next uh, uh, Jerry Levitan? Yeah, that was Max. Okay, so so there, let's see if 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 the he Viking loves, loves the Vikings. All right, yeah. If the, if this bet wins, then uh, the Max Bark counts as a seal of approval going forward. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks suck. The Vikings are good. The Vikings are home. I mean, that that's that's pretty much my there's my rationale for it. You know, okay. I, I think. I mean, I just think the Vikings are. I mean, I think the Vikings' offense is just loaded. You know, Cousins, Hawkinson, uh, obviously Justin Jefferson, Addison is looking awesome, and Madison. You know, who is just still not getting respect in like you know fantasy drafts, which I don't understand. Uh, I, this team is loaded. On offense, their defense is fine. They're home. I don't know. Give me the. I'm happily giving six points. Yeah, I I like it. That does seem like a a good number and the right side of it. I guess the books are reluctant to make it wider because of how many close games the Vikings pulled out last year. But yeah, on paper, six is not quite enough points for the gap in between these two teams, especially if the game is in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Eight. I mean, at a touchdown, I I'd stop. But the six, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I like All it. right. Um, I'll finish up uh, my betting with some U.S. Open bets. Uh, two of them recommended by my brother Dave pre-tournament. Uh, the prices have since dropped, but what are you going to do? Uh, and one that I actually picked on my own. And I'll first note that uh, Adam Small placed a couple of bets when he guest co-hosted. We have uh, Iga Sviatek to win the women's and Daniil Medvedev to win the men's. I will add two women's to reach the semifinals bets uh, that were recommended by my brother. In the third quarter of the draw, Karolina Mukova, who's won her first two matches already in straight sets, she's plus 190 to win that quarter. Let's go 50 bucks to win 95 on her. And in the fourth quarter, American Jessica Pegula. Um, am I pronouncing that right? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, she is plus 165 to win that quarter. Let's go $60 to win 99 on her. And as for a bet devised in my own limited tennis brain, uh, tonight, Carlos Alcaraz takes on one Lloyd Harris of South Africa. Looks like an easy waltz for Alcaraz. Harris is ranked 170-something in the world. And uh, FanDuel has some strange, soft pricing on this. Alcaraz to win in straight sets is minus 225, but the match to go under three and a half sets is minus 200. So we're getting a better price there, even, and it even opens up the one in a million chance that it's Harris who wins in straight sets and we're covered. So anyway, $100 to win 50 that this match goes under three and a half sets. All right. I like it. Uh, another football bet for you. I, I, this one, I think, is like just the Belichick bump. Um, I'm going to take the Eagles giving three and a half on the road uh, in New England. You know, 110 to win 100. 
I, I really believe that if the Patriots coach was Joe Smith, this is like a five and a half point line. And I'm really just not convinced that uh, Belichick is the secret anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I know you don't have to say things like that. But <laughs> I, the Patriots do not look like a good team on paper at all. Like, really bad. And the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles never had to put their foot on the gas last year. Right. So, I, I don't know. Three and a half seems like way, way, way too few points to be given. Yeah, I mean, you'll recall that I the Patriots were the cornerstone of my three-team to miss the playoff parlay yeah. bet uh, that I, I am not high on them this year. I think uh, Bill Simmons seems to be the only person who remotely thinks that they're not going to finish fourth in that division. Um, I, I don't see it. I guess the one thing about this bet that would make me a little nervous is the backdoor cover, that the three yeah, and a yeah, half, that, you know, Eagles Eagles but, lead by 10 and the Patriots score late to, to cut it to a field goal. But, but here's the thing. I was, and obviously, like, I'm thinking of that. But the thing about that is, is the Patriots offense is not built to, like, march down the field quickly. Right. That's true. You know, so I, I just, Yeah, they're more I, likely I, to go on the other, if they're down by 10, they get into field goal range, settle for the field goal to cut it to seven, and then try to and hope to get the ball back on an onside yeah. kick in the final. But I, I, honestly, yeah. I don't. I don't think it. I don't think that happens. I think the right. Eagles, you know, having lost the Super Bowl like in heartbreaking fashion, I think that this this team, you know, comes out ready to murder this year. So you consider them to have lost the Super Bowl, even though in fact nobody won and nobody lost because a referee just decided it. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, six to one. Okay. How much longer will, like, by the end of this football season, will I be done complaining about last year's Super Bowl, do you think? No, that probably stays with you forever. Forever. Okay. Yeah. Will you see Titanic before I stop complaining about the last Super Bowl? Eric, at this point, I I can almost assure you that I am, like, a minus 2,500 favorite to never see Titanic. Mm. I've gone this long. I'm not going to, like... You know, well, I, I feel like I, why would I give up this grudge against myself? Does it count if I clockwork orange your eyes open and make you watch it? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, actually take, you know, kidnap me and, and right. you know, break break the law and, and suffer the consequences to get me to watch Titanic, that's up to you. I okay. can't stop you. All right. But it would count as you having seen it. Yeah, I guess. Okay. It would count. I mean, cash, right. cash, cash the bets. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll drill down on this more uh, on, on a future episode. Uh, I think there's a lot more to explore here. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Colin Wilson. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. All right, here, here's some low-hanging fruit for the sports books of the world. Make it easier uh, to opt out of the casino. Uh, I live in a casino state in New Jersey here, and yeah, I know that's where the money's at for these you know, sports books or whatever. But really, you can't tell me that you're being capital or responsible when it comes to gambling if you won't let me opt out of the casino. On some sites, you can limit yourself at the casino. Some other sites won't let you do that. They have to limit yourself, period, right? You can't like opt out. Right. And no site that I'm aware of will let you just opt out of the casino and and continue to be able to bet on sports and or DFS. Um, but that's really all I kind of want. I want to bet on sports. I, I don't want to bet at the casino. It's it, it's something that I've lost money at. Um, it, it's easy to do to let me opt out of the casino. It's probably the right thing to do. 
Oh, did I mention that I went on tilt the other day and turned a five dollar <laughs> loss into a two hundred dollar loss? Have I wow. mentioned that? Uh, yeah, I would not have done that if I could opt out of the casino. And listen, I guarantee you, one day some lawmaker is going to start poking into iCasino, the speed at which people can lose money, the amounts they can bet on one spin of a slot, you know, all of it. You're going to have your hands full, sports books. So now, while no one is paying attention, pull the trigger on this. Do the right thing. Let people who want to bet on sports bet on sports. Let people who want to opt out of the casino opt out of the casino. Anything else is just paying lip service to the idea of responsible gambling. Game, gaming, gambling, whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. So, let me say this. Gamble on, but do so responsibly, not tiltily, and let me opt out of the goddamn